The LA Clippers had just two games remaining in the season, and with their season home finale against the Portland Trail Blazers feeling like a little bit of a trap game, it was a tale of two halves that led them to the victory. Why did the Clippers look like such a different team in the first half as opposed to the second half, and what does the situation, the playoff picture look like heading into the final day of the season against the Phoenix Suns. All that and more on today's Locked On Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, sir. You are locking in with the Clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day, your team every day. I'm your host, Darian Vaziri. In my 18th season as a Clipper fan, you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DimeDropperPod and subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, where even more playoff Clipper NBA content will be coming in this upcoming week. Locked On Clippers is free and available on all your favorite podcasting platforms, including YouTube, where I want you to comment whether you think the Clippers should win this last game against Phoenix. Now, guaranteed, this video will probably be up during the course of the game so that question will have already been answered by the Clippers themselves so it won't really matter so let me just um, let me ask a different question 1 to 10 scale of 1 to 10 how confident are you that we can beat Phoenix not that we will beat Phoenix but that we can do it I just want to hear people think that the clip I want to hear how many Clipper fans actually have hope but I want to talk about this Portland Trailblazers game, our home finale, fan appreciation day. I was in attendance. A vlog will be up later on my channel if you want to hear the ambiance, the atmosphere. And I'll tell you what, it was a sellout, and it was a really good atmosphere for a day game. And I'll tell you what, this Clipper game, it showed everything you want to know about this Clipper team this season in two halves. There are two different teams. There's a team that likes to get lazy, that likes to mess around, doesn't like to play defense that misses their threes and lets that affect their defensive intensity. And then there's another team that locks in on defense, has sharp rotations, moves the ball quickly, starts making shots, and they look like an actual championship contending team. In this game, you saw both of those teams come out one in each half. I was very nervous in the first half just seeing the way the Clippers came out. I talked about it on the last episode. You cannot give a team like that life. I recently watched a game between the Portland Trailblazers and the Minnesota Timberwolves, that very same Portland Trailblazers team. No extra help, no Anthony Simons, no Damian Lillard, no Nurkic, no Jeremy Grant. And they came out led by guys like Shadon Sharp, Trendon Watford, Kevin Knox, these guys, and beat the Timberwolves in a game that the Timberwolves really needed. The Clippers really needed this game to just avoid play-in situations. Obviously, they own the tiebreaker with the Lakers and the Golden State Warriors, but we do not own the tiebreaker with the Pelicans. And if we lose one more game, we'll have less wins and loss, less wins, more losses than the Warriors. So we'll be knocked not one spot down, but two spots down. So we had to get the job done. In the first half, we're making life so hard. Not guarding. You know, Eric Gordon, I love EJ. But he is a perfect example of the whole two teams thing because he's a two-player thing situation. Some nights, he looks like an amazing role player that's going to hit his open three. He's going to run guys off the line and also play defense. 
And I think that's what it comes down to for EJ. The two-player thing with him, it depends on what kind of defensive mood he's in. Will said it, the Rockets fan, when he came on the second he got traded, he said it's all about effort with EJ. And even though we've probably seen an uptick of that effort defensively with the Clippers, he still has games where he doesn't try. And you can't have that in the playoffs because you will stick out like a sore thumb. And I, I imagine he will play harder in the playoffs. And I think the Phoenix matchup, as I talked about last episode, and we'll continue to talk about when it's confirmed, and I use the word when because I have confidence the Clippers will win this Phoenix game, considering the Suns are resting everyone. But don't worry, I'll talk about that game in a second. Eric Gordon did not really try in this game. He wasn't fighting over any screens, was barely moving on defense, picking up fouls, missing shots. He was just a pedestrian out there, total pedestrian. I thought Russ, Kawhi, nobody really put that great of an effort defensively. But I also got to give Shadon Sharp and Trenton Watford credit. They were hitting all kinds of shots. They were making threes. They were hitting floaters. And I think the Clippers and drop coverage were giving them the floater, the in-between game. And they were making it. They were countering everything. And Shadon Sharp, he's a very exciting young player. I think if you want to look at the Portland Trailblazers' potential efforts to rebuild, I think guys like Trenton Watford and Shadon Sharp will be alongside Anthony Simons, kind of the leader of that pack. But one thing you saw about the Portland Trailblazers in this kind of you know, their G League kind of version of their team we saw against the Timberwolves is they played a five-out offense. So they want to spread you out. They want to make it so that your rotations are longer. You have more distance to cover, and they get open shots, and their big men shoot threes. That Walker guy, he was coming in shooting threes right away. Let me look at his name. Jabari Walker, I believe his name was. Yes, Jabari Walker, um, rookie out of Colorado, in his first season, he was the 57th pick in the la- in this past year's draft. So they were trying to spread the Clippers out. And at halftime, these guys had 70 points. 70 to 64, they were winning. Kawhi Leonard was holding on to the ball so long. It looked like he was just dilly-dallying. Like, dude, either move the ball quickly or go quickly. And it just didn't feel like the Clippers were getting too many good looks with the starters. And in this game, Ty Lue straight up played a whole bench unit at 10 different players, five and five. The second unit was Bones, Terrence, Norm, Mason, and Rocco. And it was nice to see Robert Covington play. He came in for Kawhi at the end of the first quarter. And the second unit, the bench unit, actually did better. And it was because of Norman Powell mainly, who was getting to the basket and was an absolute force all game long. I thought he kept the Clippers in the game in the first half when it could have really gotten ugly. It could have gone to double digits and like 13, 14 points, but he was able to keep the Clippers in it, getting to the line, his whistles come back, and when Norman Powell puts his head down and goes hard drive right, whether it's coming off a curl or just driving and attacking a defender's chest, he has a great success rate, and he was doing the job for the Clippers, but we were still down by six in the second half. They just quit the BS, locked in defensively. Kawhi and Russ totally led the way. Clippers are getting a bunch of good shots, and blew the doors open. But it all starts with the defensive intensity, mainly, for everybody. Fight over screens. Get a hand up. Zubats, Kawhi, Russ, everybody putting a better effort on the defensive end in that second half. And I was really impressed with Russ again. Another fantastic game. Getting to the basket, downhill, scoring, assisting, was cutting. When Kawhi was dull, there was one play in the first half where he dove to the basket. The exact criticism that he got with the Lakers, that he didn't do enough. And I watched a lot of Laker games. He did not cut like that. And that just comes down to the environment. We really do, and me included, underestimate fit and 
situation. Russell Westbrook is playing with so much more joy. You can feel it. You can sense it in every postgame interview he has. Cutting to the basket, it's a willingness to do things. He's willing to listen. He's willing to do the little things that he did not necessarily do consistently over there. Dive to the basket. Be a screener. I mean, there was just, we get great stuff with Russ as the screener on that slip screen on that short roll action. And Russ, I thought he was doing a good job, not only doing that, but hitting the jumper. He hit two threes again. And I don't want that to be a constant. I really don't want Russ to shoot too many threes. But listen, there's something that I've noticed recently with Russ. For the last couple of seasons, he's had a bunch of tape on his fingers. He's had messed up fingers. And he's not like Kobe Bryant where he can still shoot an incredible, at an incredible percentage or whatnot or shoot efficiently. And by the way, for all those that say you know Kobe was inefficient and all that, look at the percentages relative to that time. Yes, it would be more inefficient today, but it wasn't necessarily inefficient then. Um, but Russ, he's never been that kind of a jump shooter. He's a lot of times a streaky shooter back in his early days. And he had a solid mid-range, but his fingers have been messed up. I just realized he doesn't have them anymore. And I thought it was his legs, you know, all the knee injuries he's had. And he's had arthroscopic surgery, not arthroscopic surgery. He had like an injection in his knee a couple years ago and all that. And he's had several surgeries. He had the quad injury and all that. I thought it was more of an elevation thing. But he's shooting the ball with a comfort that I haven't seen in a while. Maybe that I haven't seen since 2017-18. Now, that may be exaggerating, but two for three from deep, 20 points for Russ, six rebounds, six assists. I thought he was engaged defensively again, at least in the second half, and Kawhi totally turned up. All of a sudden, every shot started falling, and it's interesting with Kawhi, you know, going to a game. He doesn't have the same aesthetically pleasing beauty of his scoring package like Paul George does. But when Kawhi starts getting going, it's so interesting. Like, he'll just start hitting contested jumper after contested jumper, just straight in, line drive, poop. It's unbelievable. And he was starting to do that in the third quarter. And by that point, the Clippers started to blow the doors open. They outscored the Blazers 45-26 in the third. And they ended up winning it 136-125. to I thought the bench had a really solid performance. And Norman Powell, every time it felt like the Blazers could get back in the game, he either got to the line got to the basket, or just plain scored. And the Clippers needed that. It was a tale of two halves. Moral of the story, there are two Clipper teams. The one that wants to mess around defensively and the one that wants to let their defense set a tone for their offense that has been really good the last couple of months with Kawhi. They need to have that defensive team, that actual one that tries, come out every game to have a chance against the Suns. Because that team, if you don't come out against them with their with a defensive attitude, they'll be up 15 to 20 points in no time. So coming up, going to be talking about one of the biggest keys for the Clippers to actually beat Phoenix or any team they play in the second round. He is back in business. All right, so since we don't have any ads today, since this is just a bonus episode for your Sunday afternoon, because there will be an episode on Monday after the season is over. Can you believe it, guys? We've really come this far. My first season is Locked On Clippers host, and we really are at the end of the season. It feels like it just flew by, but at the same time, it feels like a while since we had guys like Moses Brown on this roster. So it's been a ride, and I've been really happy to be here to be the voice of it on Locked On Clippers for you. And... I appreciate all the support throughout the year. We've really grown this channel starting from 30th place in terms of locked on NBA teams. And now we're in 24th or 23rd. Pretty sure we just passed up locked on Hawks. So 
congratulations, everybody. We got another person to pass up next, and that's the good folks over at Locked On 76ers. And I'm surprised that they don't have more subscribers considering the Sixers are such an important franchise in the history of the league. But we got to pass them. We got to pass them, and we're not that far behind. So go hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell. But I want to talk to you about who I think is going to be a huge factor for the Clippers if they want to win any series. Norman Powell. We were very critical, or should I say I was very critical, of him the first couple of games, just saying he doesn't look good, he's forcing it, he's just not looking like the Norman Powell from before the injury, but in the last two games, we've gotten that Norman Powell back. His whistle has returned, his efficiency has returned, and his ability to get to the basket and finish through contact has come back to its best form. I mean, so many times in that game on Saturday where... He came off that classic left-to-right curl, coming off a Plumlee screen and just getting his shoulder down, attacking the body of the opposing player, and finishing with that right hand off the glass. Hit a couple of runners, too, not just layups going to his right. But going to his right, Norman Powell is fantastic. And not only that, when he goes to his right, he'll sometimes come up on the other side for a little lefty layup or a right-handed reverse. So a couple of nice finishes. Was also hitting the jumper here and there, the floater, the runner. He was incredible, and I think that Norm is clearly the number two scorer without Paul George. I love Russ. I think he's the second best player on this team without Paul George. I definitely think Russ is the third best player on this team. Whether you think he should close or not is a different argument. I don't always think that the top three, top four players on your team may have to be the best closers. I think Russ is a certain unique circumstance, but in my opinion, he is the top, he's the third best player on this team fully healthy. Some might disagree. You can comment if you do, but in my opinion, he is. I think he's made that impact with his passing, with his penetration, and when he's hitting his jumper, he's just really good because then his defense is more engaged usually. And when he's defending, and I think overall, that was the biggest thing I was scared of when he got signed was are we going to get last season's Laker, Russell Westbrook defensively, or are we going to get what we saw in glimpses for the Lakers defensively this year? And more often than not, we've gotten the better defensive Russell Westbrook. I think more often than not, he's had solid defensive games than bad for the Clippers. And I'm pretty sure now, after that game, the Clippers' record with Russ is 10-10. and 10. He's played 72 games in the regular season, will be 73 against the Suns on Sunday. But yes, he's played 20 games with the Clippers. They're 10-10 and 10 in those games. So 500, not too much worse than they've been all season. But of course, you know, Paul George is out for a couple of those games. There was just so many narrow defeats. And that, those first five games, I mean, it was hard. But Norman Powell was amazing. I also think Bones Highland was fun as well. Another really solid defensive game from him. Hit a couple of threes. Actually, no, I only think he hit one three. One three. He actually was really off from three. All his threes were long. Right on target, but long. He had a really nifty, shifty finish, though, in that first half. And I still like what Bones does. He throws great passes, man. He's a dime dropper. 9.6 rebounds, 3 assists for Bones Highland. I also thought a guy that was a really had a really good performance was Mason Plumley. Thought he's had some really solid games of late. Finished around the basket. And in the first half, they were really attacking Mason. They were trying to put him in the pick and roll and spread him out in terms of bringing him out to the perimeter and just making him, you know, go out and guard. And there's times Mason Plumley where I don't know if he's dropping or if he's hedging hard. If he's dropping, he needs to be wary of the roller. He needs to be. And if he's hedging, he needs to be up on the ball handler. He so often is in no man's land, just kind of acting like he's showing and then recovering late. Like, But in the second half, he made a huge adjustment. Clippers went to switch everything, switching one to five. 
And he was actually going out there and guarding ones and twos and doing a decent job of staying in front and just getting a hand up. As a big man, you just don't want to get beaten off the balance when you're guarding smaller guys. You get a hand up and contest their jumper. Look, if they make it, they make it. But if they don't, I mean, look, they're shooting a jumper over a seven-foot guy when they have a speed advantage. So that's what you got to let them do. And he did a good job of that. Finished around the basket well. And one of my favorite sequences of the game was in the first half when Terrence Mann uh, set a screen for Norman Powell. Norman Powell passes to Terrence on the short roll. And then he lobbed it up to Mason Plumlee for a dunk. And then like two or three possessions later, Mason Plumlee was at the high post and found Terrence Mann on a back cut. Beautiful stuff. And that's one thing I like about Mason Plumlee. He's got a really solid ability to pass the ball. 11 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists on 4 of 4 shooting in 20 minutes for Mason. And if you notice about Mason, he also had a nice little, I don't know if it was a jump hook or just a version of a jump hook, but he threw it up with his right hand, backing down after a couple of dribbles. So I'll take that. We'll call it a jump hook. But one thing I like about Mason is a lot of games, and it's it's because he's scoring easy baskets, but look, efficiency matters. And a lot of games, he'll just go 100% from the field. Like, just 2 for 2, 3 for 3. What That's one thing I like about him. You, you never want to miss shots. But Terrence Mann, I also thought he was really solid. You know, just coming in, giving that energy boost, getting in the basket, cutting, moving without the ball, playing good defense. Just 6 points and 2 assists for Terrence on 3 of 5 from the field. But Norman Powell, 23 points, 3 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals in the game, no turnovers. He was a plus 7 off the bench, 7 for 14 from the field, that's 50%, and 9 for 11 from the line. His three ball, 0 for 2 from 3 in this one, it still has taken a little bit to get going for him. But I love what I'm seeing from Norman, and I think the Clippers are going to need him to average 20 points, no joke. 20 points, at least 18, to beat the Suns. And I think he's capable of doing it. He's never had this big of a role going into a playoffs. The closest you can kind of argue is that 2021 season with the Portland Trailblazers against the Nuggets. But I think this is going to be a huge task for him. And I think it's one that he's ready to meet and pass the flying colors. But coming up, going to talk about the other role players in this game for the Clippers, Vita Zubas, Nicholas Batum, and what the situation is going into Sunday in regards to the Suns game and what the Clippers need to do, what the possible playoff scenarios are. Going to be talking about that coming up. All right. So a lot of scenarios for the Clippers on this final day. But before I talk about that, I just want to talk about the other role players. Nicholas Batum, nine points, three for five from deep. As usual, all his shots were threes. Started out a little bit slow from that range, got it going, and eventually just grew into the game. Our record with Nicholas Batum starting is looking pretty decent. I believe it's, what, five and three at this point? I'm going to have to keep checking that because I want to. Let's see... Started against Chicago, so that was 1-0, and 2-0, 2-1, 2-2, 4-2, and that's counting the game that Kawhi was sat on at halftime. So 4-2 and two with Nicholas Batum in the starting lineup. Obviously, that's going to continue, and I'm very happy for it to continue. Nine points, four rebounds, three assists, one steal, one block, and no turnovers. So Nico doing a little bit of everything. That's exactly what he does, and that doesn't even show his impact on the defensive end, where in the second half, he was as good as anyone. Kawhi Leonard dominated dominated that second half fadeaways mid-ranges threes there was one pull-up three hit that was just oh man there's moments when Kawhi starts hitting shots where he's just got a little bit more pep in his step a little bit more juice off the bounce where I know he's in a little bit of a zone one of them was when he came up and pulled up for three and then there was another where he tried to drive pull back between the legs for a mid-range so filthy and when Kawhi gets a little bit more wiggle in his game I know he's feeling some type of way 
27 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, and a block for Kawhi Leonard. 7 for 17 from the field, so not his most efficient game. 3 for 8 from deep, but the stat I liked the most, he got to the line and finished, made all his free throws. 10 of 10 from the foul line for Kawhi, who played his 51st game of the season. And on Sunday, he will play his 52nd game of the season, which will tie his number in the 2021 season where he missed 20 games. However, that was a condensed season, so he will still have missed 30 games for the Clippers this season, which I said the target marker was 60. And if he and Paul George each played 60-plus, the Clippers can easily get a top three seed and a potential number one seed. If you had told me Kawhi is going to play 52, Paul George is going to play 55 or 56, whatever it was, I would say four, five, or six seed is probably going to happen. And that's look, that's exactly what happened. But even then, I think the Clippers still could have done things to prevent um, finishing this low. But I'm not going to talk about that on this episode because I have other episodes coming up before the first playoff game that I'll have to use uh, some, to talk about those kind of things. But if it's a Zubats, thought he was really solid, especially as the game went on, finished around the rim. Rebounded the ball, 14 points, 10 rebounds, and one block on 6-for-8 shooting. He continues to be really good going into the playoffs. Only played 23 minutes, though, so looking forward to seeing more Zoo going forward. EJ scored 5 points in the second half, finally got some shots to go. 2-for-8 from the field, 1-for-6 from deep, but going to need better from EJ, especially if he's going to start like that. And then Russell Westbrook, I already talked about him, 20 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. 9 for 14 from the field, 2 for 3 from deep. A rare instance where Russ didn't get to the foul line, but 9 for 14 from the field will take all day. And then Robert Covington thought he was really solid. 8 points and 7 rebounds to go along with a steal and a block on 3 for 4 shooting and 2 for 2 from deep. Rocco just continues to show why he deserves minutes. And Ty Lue has some serious conversations uh, and decisions to make heading into this playoff series. All signs point to that he's going to play a nine-man rotation. In my opinion, there's almost no shot that he plays two separate units like that with a whole bench unit. I remember Vinny Del Negro and Glenn Rivers used to do that, but it's risky to play all bench players in a playoff series against a team that likely won't be matching you. There's no chance that all four of Aiton, Booker, Paul, and KD are all going to be sitting out at once. There's no shot of that unless the game's over. If they do, that will be suicidal because the Clippers bench is so much better than theirs. They're going to mix it up, and the Clippers will probably mix it up too. And in that, in my opinion, the odd man out should probably be Bones Highland just because of playoff basketball. When your shot's not falling, it's going to be hard to contribute in other ways for him. But considering the way he has defended defensively, he has defended lately, I should say, Jesus, he may be able to stay on the court because he offers so much juice off the bounce and offensive creation that we lack. We lack a guy that can get two feet in the paint, and he also can shoot off the ball as well. When he's engaged defensively with those active hands and long arms that he has, I mean, Clippers, I mean, Bones is solid. But Robert Covington's game, especially against a team with length and size, they actually don't have that much length and size. It's more that they have wings that are in the mid-range area that you need length and size to deter KD, Devin Booker, you want guys like Robert Covington shrinking the floor out there. So I think Rocco should be that part of that nine-man rotation coming off the bench with Mason, with Terrence, and with um, Norman. But we'll see. Tyloo's got some interesting decisions to make. I want to talk about the playoff scenarios for the Clippers. So it is no chance that the Clippers finish 8th and ninth. So that's good. So the Clippers, at the very least, will be hosting either a play-in game or 
having a playoff series confirmed at the Staples Center for the Sunday game against the Suns. Nobody is playing for the Suns. No Aiden, no KD, no Chris Paul, no Booker. They have, you know, this last two games with the fourth seed clinch, they have not cared to get any more chemistry or do any of that. They are okay not winning them. They're sealed with the fourth seed with home court advantage, and they're undefeated with KD heading into the playoffs, which is huge. They have not lost a game with him. But they've also not been tested with them. I want to keep saying that. Their toughest matchups were at OKC with KD and at Dallas. Two teams that were fighting for the 10th seed in the West. So, I mean, they haven't really been tested. I'm going to keep saying that. So, here I'm going to beat writer Law Murray's tweet about the scenarios. So, here we go. If the Clippers win this game against the Suns, they're the 5th seed. That's it. We're playing Phoenix in the first round. If the Clippers lose to the Suns and Minnesota and Portland win, the Clippers will still be the fifth seed. If they want to test the basketball gods and get the sixth seed, the Suns need to win, first of all. If the Suns win, the Pelicans win, and the Lakers win, and the Blazers win, the Clippers will get the sixth seed. If the Suns, Wolves, and Warriors win, the Laker game against the Jazz then becomes irrelevant, and the Clippers will get the sixth seed. Now, this is how the Clippers can get the seventh seed. If the Suns, Pelicans, and if the Suns and Pelicans win and the Jazz lose, I'm sorry, if the Lakers lose to the Jazz, the Warriors Blazers game then becomes irrelevant, and the Clippers get the seventh seed. And if the Suns, Pelicans, Warriors, and Lakers win, the Clippers get the seventh seed. So this is what I think. I think the Clippers are going to win this game because nobody's resting, not even Kawhi. Kawhi is playing his second back-to-back of the season. This one hopefully will not be on a minutes restriction, but hopefully we will get to rest him at the end of the game because the job is done. But Clippers got to win this game and honestly just ensure the fifth seed. It is what it is. Can't duck smoke. We got to do this. Let me know how you feel about the Clippers' possibilities of potentially winning this series. Not will they, can they, 1-10. to I'll go, I'll go six or seven, honestly. I'll go with a seven. We can do it. Will we? I'll go with a five or six. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen today. Now make your second listen, Game to Game NBA. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DimeDropperPod. I'm going to be live after the Suns game on my own channel, Dime Dropper. so tune in right after. Going to talk about this entire season. It's going to be crazy to reflect on it. I can't believe we have one game left. Hopefully the Clippers end with a 44-38 and 38 record, which I don't think we've ever had in our franchise history, and if we did, it was before my time. Peace. Go Clippers. The age-old proverb continues.